You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. Happy Friday, Michael. Happy Friday, Andre. How are you? I'm very tired. I'm looking forward to a break at Christmas. <laughs> uh, I would have to say I am tired, overworked, and underpaid. Very underpaid. Very, think, very underpaid. Isn't that everyone these days? <laughs> very, very underpaid. Um, I mean, so. one thing I want to tease, a, to tease ahead to is uh, you and I recently tasted 269 wines in a night to write the Toronto Life Gift Guide. Yes, we were up till two in the morning. We were up till two in the morning. It was a marathon. It's just, we had a lot at a certain amount of time because last year um, we did get a very good call out. Um, sorry, a very good response from the agents. We had about 150 wines to taste. So let us put together a very good column that I'm quite proud of. Um, so I'm going to take the opportunity on this podcast. If you're working for an agency and you responded to our call, if you work for Winery in Ontario and you responded to our call, we thank you very much. It's very hard work being a wine journalist in 2022 without much support from the LCBO. And even if your wines were not included in the roundup, the fact that we were able to do a fairly large, fairly comprehensive tasting means that the listeners and sorry, that means that the readers have, um, you know, without a doubt, the best wines available on the shelves right now. And hopefully we'll be uh, writing it again next year. Yeah. And uh, also that we did get to taste all of those wines and that uh, they may appear elsewhere. Yes. So, um, you know, other columns that we write. Um, so do not, uh, do not, um, what's the word I'm looking for, Andre? Do not despair. Do not uh, despair. Things could appear elsewhere. Yes. A little bit of, uh, a little bit of, um, uh, rhyming couplet there all right so we're joined by a guest and we're this is actually a bit of a follow-up to a podcast we did earlier this year in your home um you and i do enjoy tasting spirits from time to time doing that on the podcast and i, I think you enjoy watching me uh taste spirits i like the looks on That's your face I think. I think i think we've got it well established that i'm the spirits drinker out of the two of us and that i am the one who makes the face and what I have in my in my glass right now, I've given myself just a little smell. It's it's a gin that we're revisiting from earlier from a, a distillery called Laneway, and uh, what I've got it's labeled uh, Ever Gin Liqueur. So oh, okay. I'm sure we can ask our guest why it's labeled as liqueur as opposed to just straight gin. But we are joined by. But, but why don't why don't we start by introducing the guest? I, I was just doing Chester. that. I was literally about to. I do don't that. know. You were you were more in, you were more interested in the ever gin than you were in the guest. So let me do this then. It's Jessica Chester from Laneway Distillers. Do I have that correct, uh, Jessica? Yes, yes, you do. I'm the uh, co-founder. So yeah, very nice to meet you both. Well, thank you for coming on. Um, what really got us was this ever gin because um, we did a podcast where we tried a whole bunch of fruit juices and gins slash vodkas. And this was the product that got us most interested. So why don't we start by how did Laneway get its its start uh, and the name and yourself? Because you obviously don't seem to have a Canadian accent. Um, I don't. I am Canadian. My mother was from Montreal, um, but uh, she married an Englishman. And um, I am half and half, one foot either side. And we moved permanently to uh, Toronto, Ontario um, in 2014. So the whole family are now 
Canadians and you're not going to get rid of us. We're here to stay. We love it. We think it's amazing. I'm one of those crazy people that still gets very excited about the first snow of the season. Oh, you psycho. I know. I know. And I learned to ski at, um, in my 40s, which obviously, you know, I was quite pleased. And I even enjoy curling. So we, I, I've got into curling. I, I find it fascinating, Canadians and ice. You take a sport, you stick it on ice and just want to make it really, really dangerous and then make it slidey. And it becomes this loved sport. Oh, so. the, the, the best part about curling is you throw some <laughs> beer into the mix, too, and you really make it dangerous throwing 40 pound rocks of granite at each other. <laughs> um, I mean, let's let's backtrack a little bit. We've got your backstory, but tell us a little bit about Laneway. So uh, Laneway was uh, basically me and my best friend, Regan Susie, um, who's the co-founder. And um, we are nuts about gin a gin is a fabulous spirit um it's very um now there isn't the long wait that you have with bourbons or whiskies um and coming from the uk i grew up in plymouth so um plymouth gin was definitely part of um where i was growing up and what we drank when we were younger um and when i came to the canada i just really felt we have all these amazing botanicals um, and we use local suppliers who use local foragers. Um, and I wasn't really seeing a Canadian gin. It was all about doing a dry London dry gin in style. And maybe we just wanted to really bring in what we loved about Canada. Um, and so we started in the laneway um, in Parkdale. We're both based in Parkdale we're both based in Parkdale. Um, I won't confirm or deny that I have a still on my premises where we distilled um, and worked with the balance of around, I think we got up to 120 different botanicals to work out the combinations of what really balanced with the flavor profiles. Um, so we have in our collection, we're a gin company with an extraordinarily good vodka, but we have three gins. We have Laneway number 11, which is our um, mixing entry level dry, London dry gin. It is citrus forward, light on juniper, and is fabulous all year round for that gin and tonic. We have Evergin, which you're drinking now, which is... I always get a bit, I don't know, this one is pretty special. I always I always say when I'm doing tastings, if you love Canada, you'll love Evergen. And if you don't love Evergen, then you clearly don't love Canada. I love that you said that. Think- I'm, I'm, <clears throat> I, I, I'm not a gin person in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. For some reason, I do like this. But I, think you, I, so, do think, I do think you hit the nail on the head with that as well, too. If we go back to the podcast that Michael and I did earlier... I think I did describe this as extra Canadian just because I think the um, the tasting note that most people when they get into gin at the beginning is they just say, oh, it smells like Christmas. Oh, it smells like Christmas. And the thing is, you're, you're sort of just confusing juniper as a substitute for what, you know, a Canadian boreal forest would smell like. When you smell the Evergin, it legitimately smells like a, a great Canadian forest. Um Michael, what is it about the Evergen that, that, that you Or a Canadian Christmas. Oh, Canadian Christmas for sure. 
Michael, what is it about the? He said that you're not a, a gin fan. I'm, and I, I know we've done this on the podcast before, but is it because of um, youth and stupidity that you're not a that you're not a, a fan? So yes, youth and stupidity is the thing that got me. Uh, I uh, I will admit that uh, one day when we were not Andre and I, but a friend and I were were young, um, and just getting into other things other than beer, uh, we decided to get a, a, a little bottle. Uh, of um, I think it was a London gin, and because everybody had London gin at that time, mm. and then um, we were looking for tonic because uh, that's what people were supposed to uh, have with gin, and we could not find anything. So, in our infinite wisdom, we decided that Wink uh, was a fabulous product to uh, mix with um, with uh, gin, and uh, it tasted all right going down. It did not taste all right coming up. Oof, so that's, that, that would scar you. you yeah I, i'm glad i can win you back with evergen um, um but yes this fantastic. is this is uh, um, i can't guarantee that i'm gonna like the next gin we taste but <laughs> i do like this one well why don't, why don't uh, and you it's why definitely because it's different it's not as floral-esque i guess it's more you know more buckley's mixture than it is thrills oh, uh, gum Okay, interesting tasting notes. Two things that I don't think a lot of people are necessarily a big fan of. Um, Michael, you said you... Okay, so we both have the number 33 gin. I have the number 11. You have the number 12, which is a vodka, but you also have the number 33. Is that correct? Yes, I do have the 33. Okay, let's open up the number 33, take a taste. But before we do that, I, I want to ask you, Jessica. Yeah. I understand your love of gin. Did anyone explain the tax structure of producing spirits before you decided to open this distillery? And how crazy are you? So um, we were, so initially, um, our, we weren't going to go for the home market. Um, we had been told um, how tough it was to establish yourself here in Ontario. Um, we had heard how tough the LCBO is. Um, and I guess COVID hit, our plans had to change. We were, the word pivot seemed to be thrown around like it was confetti at the time and we had no choice. So I, I didn't have any experience working with the LCBO, but, um, the LCBO itself as a, as a business structure is very challenging, but the people that work at the LCBO, uh, have been actually outstandingly helpful. And so it, for us, it's been um, quite a different um, relationship. We, I think to date we have the fastest um, approval, home approval. Uh, laneway number 33 was approved in 17 days. Wow. From tasting. So, Sorry, Andre, that bang was me falling off my chair. Uh, <laughs> The LCBO I, doing I, something yeah, the LCBO was helpful, and I suddenly. Uh, I know, I, uh, but I guess I wasn't fully seated. I, I, I guess have, I have a background in retail and sourcing, and I probably come from. I would most people don't laugh or chuckle because they haven't worked in this industry, but I come from probably one of the most brutal industries in the world which is fashion they take no prisoners whatsoever on pricing on delivery on anything and so i just looked at the lcbo as a very very high maintenance fashion customer 
and that's how I always kind of, you know, and as our bottles are designed because, you know, they're highly showy. I mean, we've got a gold bottle, we've got a black bottle, got a frosted bottle. We did a limited edition with the LCBO for the holiday, which is our silver bottle, which is also in BC now. And it was all about how to make it look as attractive as possible to get you guys to pick it off the shelf and then to live up to your expectations of why you picked it off the shelf. I, I do. So I'm, I'm watching Andre make himself a drink. Yep. We don't use the video, but he's made himself something. Oh, it's just a general uh, I do have a question in a in a minute, but let's talk about this uh, this gin. Why is it number thirty three? What makes it special? If it is, uh, and uh, <clears throat> so Andre and I are having also a conversation here in the background. Uh, little do you know. <laughs> so number thirty three is a sipping gin. It was designed to be highly complex, uh, hit your full palate. Um, you drink it straight um, over ice. Um, it's very complex. You will have the pep pink peppercorns. We used both colored mulberries, black and white. We've got jasmine pearls in there from ginseng to lemongrass, our full citrus flavor. And it was really this idea that is coming out of a gin world that your gin doesn't have to be mixed. After all, cocktails have come out of prohibition and bad alcohol and to hide those flavors and make it as palatable as possible. And this was about having a spirit that you can drink and enjoy and go on a journey. And Regan and I love traveling, and that was about taking, I guess, our experiences and our journeys and putting it into a flavor profile. All our gins have our key five Canadian botanicals in them. Um, but for number 33, it was, we have uh, 37 different botanicals in it. Um, it was incredibly challenging to get the balance of those botanicals to get your whole palate experiencing it. So it's more for someone who is used to a strong alcohol with a complex flavor profile. Um, our alcohol is at 43.5%. So we're not on the light side. We're not navy strength, but we're certainly not a light gin. And yeah, that this one really, yeah, I can sit and sip it with ice and pick up all the, the notes that I'm looking for from each of the botanicals that we crafted and added into this particular bottle and then because i love it so much I, what was the most i put it in a gold bottle <laughs> so in the rcbo it shines it actually shines oh, and then cool. um it is, so, it is a gold bottle we're looking at it here yeah because the little sample bottles that we have are, are clear but they're the same shape yeah which is great um I used my number 33 to make myself the gin and tonic that I did on the video. Uh, so I apologize if, if, I, if I've no, disrespected no, I mean, the sipping can... gin. Oh, Andre, you should actually sip on this thing. It, it actually does have, as they say, it has merit for sipping. She's, oh, I, well, she's right. It, uh... I, I, I did find that it had merit, but it was just like I wanted to enhance it with a little bit of lime and some tonic. Mm. So I do I do have a quick question, Jessica, and then I have another question, yeah. but but and then neither are related. But I have never heard the term navy strength. 
What is Navy oh, strength? Navy, Navy strength um, is a gen that is over, um, it depends in, in which country. Um, I think here in, through the LCBO, I think it's anything over 50% alcohol. Um, however, some of the award shows will list anything over 47% alcohol. And then that becomes what they classify as Navy strength. It's a it's a higher alcohol level within the um, the bottle. Interesting. I'd never heard that. Andre, you would have ever heard that one before? I have. Um, I do like my spirits higher proof. My preferred proof of whiskey, whether it's bourbon or Highland, is cask strength. But it's also I like to throw an ice cube into um, into my my whiskeys when I drink them. And there's just something about watching a cask strength whiskey mellow as it, the ice melts. So with number 33, that I, I guess that's also, and with Evergen, actually, I like to see that process too. I, I find it very relaxing. And, you know, um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a, when the sun's setting and you're in that peaceful place, <laughs> children are either gone to bed who knows they're on a sleepover you're living your best life <laughs> yep so yeah I, I totally agree with you andre on that one so my next question is as andre pointed out we have clear bottles here yes. and um i am looking at and i have a, a light right behind them uh and i started looking at the evergen and the 33 the 33 let's say is super clear and the evergen actually has color to it so it'd be yes. like the uh, if we put it in wine terms the 33 is the white wine and the evergen is the rosé <laughs> what is what is going on there and what what causes that color to okay so there? um it the evergen is a gin liqueur because we actually add maple syrup after the distillation process so um we distill it in a traditional london dry way of making gin um we don't cook the canadian botanicals our canadian botanicals when we cook them in the still actually burnt them so what we do is we steep our botanicals for four days then we distill it it runs through a filter after distillation and then we add um, dark maple we work with a maple farm out towards Godrich, which is a beautiful area of Ontario. Um, Catherine and Kevin, who are our suppliers, they will literally call us up and go, okay, this is the one, this is the time. And it's very exciting. It's, it's keeping it local. Um, we certainly don't have any issues on quantity, being it's maple syrup. But we decided to, the dark maple syrup gives more of that maple flavor and less of the sugar. So quite recently, the maple syrup industry changed its categories and they've got more defined categories to recognize the level of sugar within the maple syrup that you buy. We just buy uh, dark maple because we want also the maple profile without the high quantity of sugar. And so that's what you're seeing. So the liqueur is the maple syrup that we put in this. Um, which adds that touch of balance of sweetness against the alcohol. I love the whole grating of maple syrup. That's something I learned being married to a pastry chef, and I always keep dark maple syrup on hand in the house so, for those reasons. But you know what I mean? Like yep. it, you can have the 
amber and it's very very sweet and it's yeah. great i mean wonderful for you know desserts but it, yeah we had to it was really tough we had to do a lot of tasting of maple syrup to understand that it was and then, tough to like someone had to do it and then you got to be careful to not go too too dark because then you start to get the burned and this like and it's not like a caramel burned it's like a no. charred burned yeah. yeah that is just not super duper pleasant so um i do have some questions about how you came upon your your packaging and just when you're deciding where to place your product in the in the market, like what what is your mindset? What is your strategy when putting packaging together? So um, Regan has a background in packaging in uh, the food industry. Clearly, um, we knew that if we could get a bottle that was a signature bottle, and our bottle is all the same size, but we work with a phenomenal supplier who will allow us to change the finishes. And that really helped with getting brand recognition for each of our products. So Lenway number 33 is in this stunning gold bottle here. It's, you know, it, it screams bling as it should. It's a sipping gin at the moment. I think it's the most expensive Ontario gin at $99. Um, we took it a step further. We, um, I, I always have to go a little bigger. <laughs> so we, this, this particular laneway number 33 gin is at the moment sitting in a, in Summerhill in a 24 karat gold plated glass bottle. Um, and the retail price is $4,888. And, and why not? And ninety and ninety five cents. I'm looking at the, the listing right now. Yeah, and it, it's why because we wanted to do something that was really special. We had the opportunity to work with a gold plater, and we wanted. And he was kind of it was a challenge for them. And then he's working with an artisan to get it nickel and copper plated up in Kingston. And we we just love the idea of taking something to the excess. Like, how can you push it? How can you make it go so far. I was fortunate that we were already working with Johnny Walker's, um, the same supplier that makes all their boxes. Um, so you can see that the box cut, you'll see that the, it's the same caliber, I should say, as a company that I think does phenomenal marketing yes. and branding and labeling. Um, and so, yeah, so I always, I think it's all about pushing and, and getting interest. Um, are we selling a huge amount? Absolutely not, but we don't need to. I can say I did a gold-plated, 24-karat gold-plated bottle. <laughs> I think that's cool. It won't be next year. I'm sure someone else will do something just as shocking. But, and then, you know, we that gin is the same gin. So if you buy the bottle, you can refill it because the gin is always going to be available. Um, the labeling was to sit with our bottle and we have a very distinctive, you, you have the exact same bottle in glass. It's just a 50 mil. So if you look around the shoulder of the bottle, you'll see the diamonds are there. It's 12 sided. The initial concept was that we wanted it to be based on the loony, which is 11 sided, but we had to bring in um, 12 sided because the bottle, all bottles have a join on it. So it's more of a production issue, but that was where the concept came from. Evergin is actually ombre, so it's got a black top and then goes down to this beautiful clear glass color. 
Um, so it looks very rich and um, I think quite sexy when it's sitting on the shelf because it's got that. No, the, gin, the gin itself is kind of an amber color. I said rosé just because I was trying to give a, yeah. an idea of definitely a change of color, but it is more of an yeah. amber, yeah. so more of a, like a whiskey or a caramel color, yes. correct? Yeah, absolutely. Um, an amber color, like your, your best whiskey maple syrup. It's perfect. Um, and then number 11, um, our normal bottle is um, black. But uh, for the holiday buy for the LCBO, we did them a mirror bottle um, for a bit of holiday bling. So they sit quite nicely together. And yeah, again, it's, it's the silver, yeah. It's the mirror silver. And again, it, it's I. my job is to hopefully grab your eyeballs for 10 seconds as you're going along these, the LCBO or any store, alcohol selling store and catch your eyes. And if I can get you to look at our product, I might get you to pick it up and I might get you to drink it and I might convert you that, you know, we make a really outstanding gin. Um, and, the, so, and, the Canadian, yeah. and the Canadian maple leaf is right at the bottom of the bottle. <laughs> I think... Regan and I often laugh at this. I um on I think I have five. I have one on the bottom. I have one on the top. I have one on the back. I have another one on the back label. Yeah, so on I have four maple leaves. You cannot have more. You can't maple leaves are amazing. Canada is an amazing brand. You know, and, I sorry sorry to just hop in here. I love everything that you just said about standing out on the shelf of the LCBO because yeah. most of our audience is directed towards the wine industry. And I think it's something we've talked about it quite a bit on this podcast because I spend more time thinking about labels than any other wine journalist yeah. in the province. I, I will say that categorically. If you think about them more, you can fight me on it. You'll lose. Um, but the advice that you just gave about if you decide to go the route of going into the LCBO, you know, it's really unfortunate if you're really passionate about your packaging, but it's not responding to consumers. That's something you really need to rethink because it is so critical. As Michael and I said at the beginning of this podcast, we tasted 269 bottles of wine and there were just a small handful of bottles of wine that have really memorable labels. If I say, hey, Malbec, Michael, what was on the label? Uh, it's a, it, I know it's green. It says, hey, Malbec, but it makes me sing. And I don't know why, it, 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 you know, um, uh, I, it sounds really silly, but I got home that night. Granted, it was three in the morning, but I kept singing, Hey, Malbec, Mambo Italiano. Hey, Malbec. Yes. And I don't know you why. Remember it. The, okay. Well, the, the label didn't stick to you as much as it did to me. I think because I'm a comic book reader, the, the cover of the, uh, or sorry, the label looked like a comic book cover of a dude sitting in a chair. Um, yeah. but yeah, like it's just, it's really, and, and I know there's, I, I love that you brought up Johnny Walker as well, because there is a fine line that you need to toe when you're getting into this business to make sure that your product is taken seriously. Like for yes. my business, for the ADX wine company, I feel like I am walking a tightrope because I put animals on my labels. And that is a very dangerous place to be in the wine world because of a certain yellow kangaroo that I like to shit on in this, in this uh, podcast on the regular. Very successful brand, but you also yeah. want to make sure that you're hitting the correct audience. And I love talking to you about this because I think your audience and your target market for Laneway is the same as the ADX wine company where you're looking for either someone who is 
an educated consumer or, or someone who is looking for a premium beverage yes. while at the same time yeah. like you need to make sure like you can spend as much money on the packaging as you want and I know there's some wineries in Ontario that are have done that where they've spent a ton of money on the packaging but the quality of the product inside the bottle doesn't stand up you will you will get your first bottle into those people's hands you will catch their attention but the quality of the product is critical how do you set the baseline for the quality of your product to make sure that you've talked about the the, the $4,000 bottle of gin, like where do you set the baseline and how do you make sure that the quality is where it needs to be? We have someone, um, we have a QC who is always on site throughout our bottling, throughout our make process. So if we're not on site, Kelly is. Um, we're all passionate about hitting the highest level. And when we do a run, a production still run, the thing we always say at the end is we have a meeting and we go, how could we do it better? <clears throat> so where, where are the boxes? Were they in the right place? Did that cost us time? Time is money. And then everyone gets very concerned about that. Where were the botanicals? How are the botanicals? Did they were moved? Why were they moved? Did that damage the botanicals? You know, where's uh, the still, the water, the filter? Like it's a whole process of just constantly asking yourself every time you do production, how can I make it better for those that are working for us on, on behalf down to labeling? So our bottle's really challenging. It's got 12 sides. And so I got a friend of mine who's a carpenter to build like a, a shelf that can cradle the bottle so labeling can be made easier because it's hand labeled and that speeds it up you know there's all these little times our first um our first tea corks they didn't have laneway distillers on them they're just black and very clean and then when i went and did the second production run and bought the next run of tea to corks i'm like how can i make my cork look prettier look better and so now it's embossed we have the same maple leaf that we use on our bottle our wording is right there i sent back the first load because it wasn't quite centered so it's all in the detail and every time you do a run everything from making sure your bottles are stored well and cleaned and your alcohol is the right alcohol. Um, our maple water that we freeze is frozen within 24 hours of going into the tokes. And then we keep it for a year at the end of the year before the next maple season starts, we dump it all if we haven't made it into vodka. So that's the consistency part. And we are really fortunate that um regan and i really love gin and we we work really hard on making a gin that i think is the best gin in canada and i got three of them and that's how i look at it and you, you don't have to agree with me no absolutely not but that's if you can't say that about your own product i'm i i question why you would do it you have to make something you truly love and you truly drink and it truly makes you smile even at the end of the worst day. And you're like, yeah, it's worth it. it it's but, it, it's a because challenge. You can, you can drink your product, right? So yeah. after you yeah. drink your product, you can smile like an idiot, if you wish, because 
you've drinking enough product, so you're okay with it. It, it it is the challenge. It is the challenge, though, with getting into the into the business, because um, like getting into the into the wine business, it was um, it was John Howard who John Howard who owns Megalomaniac who told me this adage, where it's just like you got to make sure that you make something good enough you can drink yourself, or something that you like because you can make the wine for the village. If the village doesn't want it, it's for your family, and if yeah. your family doesn't want it, you're stuck drinking it. Uh, I don't know if I'm making the best wines in Niagara yet, but I think that's definitely the goal of what we're doing. But so. that's your goal, right? Yeah. Like, it's not just to make a wine, it's to make the best wine. So that was always our mindset, to make the best gin, to make the best vodka. And, you know, it was funny because the vodka was um, basically we poured our heart and souls into our gins and now our vodka is getting, you know, the double golds. And I'm like, knew that was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. So, <laughs> so, so I did put the vodka in my glass. I'm the one who has the vodka. Why? Yeah. I have no idea. But probably <laughs> because I'm not a gin fan. So I slipped it over to Andre yeah. and I went, oh, I'll keep the vodka. Now, um, any, you just said it's, you, you, you didn't set out to make the, the best vodka. Um, well, we set out to make the best vodka. I think um, we we didn't set out. It wasn't, it wasn't to be... your, your. Well, I'm a gin. I'm a gin queen. I love gins, but you also have to pay attention to the market. And in the world of spirits, vodka makes up thirty eight percent of the spirits that are sold in Ontario. Is uh, it's actually very different in Quebec, um, and vodka is clearly very much enjoyed by everyone so how do when you're going into a market and you want to have as much opportunity to be successful and get your brand recognized you say okay i've I, i've achieved i've got my gins but i think there's room here for a really outstanding vodka and i guess the vodka was not easy we were really fortunate in the development of the vodka that it didn't take the same time frame because we already knew what our base alcohol was we already knew how many times we were going to distill it the bottle was already made and then we have this amazing relationship with our suppliers and this conversation happens we're like well let's give it a try and that's how our vodka got made with maple water because we were already working with a farm that supplied us with you know organic maple syrup and through that process of going and meeting, you know, Catherine and Kevin and talking about that business and, you know, what can we do? Um, and then they were like, well, we, we pour all this water away after we reverse osmosis the sap out. And I was like, what, what water? And then this whole conversation happened and it took us down a rabbit hole that has been very successful, but it, it was, um, it probably all happened in an afternoon, as I would say, like, wait, number 33 took us 18 months. Mm. It is funny. So, how the, yeah, no, It's I, completely funny how that happens. Sorry, Michael, you go yeah, ahead. Sorry. I'm, I'm trying the vodka. It's, it's, it's quite nice. And this has maple water in it. Is that the, the distinction yes. of it? Yes. So um, we, when we have a traditional alcohol base, um, it's distilled 12, uh, 12 
times hmm. and then to dilute it back down to our 43% we use maple water maple water is a byproduct of the maple syrup industry so they reverse obnosis the sap coming out of the trees remove the sap from it with the maple syrup and then you're left with water and the water itself we were talking to the LCBO about this because it's water from trees and we were like, well, how do, we can't say maple sap because the maple's been taken out of it. And they were like, well, you could say maple water. And I was like, all right, we're going to go with that. Um, and it literally is is just thrown away. It just goes back into the stream or onto the land. Um, and we take it and then we freeze it to keep it fresh. So we don't pasteurize it. We don't do anything to it. Um, we freeze it because you can't have water sitting around in tokes for a year. That would be any kind of water that is not a good combination. Um, and because the maple season is so short, it's, you know, less than eight weeks. It's kind of here it comes, right? And then we get our tokes down there and we get a truck waiting and it drives it to our warehouse where they freeze it. Um, and it was if we were going to do a vodka, it had to have a noticeable point of difference that also fit, it, fit our brand. And our brand is Canada. It's maple leaves. Okay, last so question. Never having tasted uh, maple water, does it have a taste or is it? No, um, it, it um, actually, that's not true. I have friends of mine who are, are wine, um, water connoisseurs, and they're like, oh, yeah, I can pick up a little bit of faintness of the extract of it. Maybe not all the sap has been removed. Um, there's, yeah, it, it, there's certainly a flavor profile to it. Um, it hasn't gone through any other processes apart from the reverse obnosis through the trees. So in itself, it's, it's coming straight from a plant rather than coming from, you know, a spring that is being tapped um, and the water being used in a more traditional way. Um, but again, like it, we're never going to do it the easy way. <laughs> All right. Last question before we wrap here, uh, Jessica, if you yeah. are the best gin on the market, what are you drinking when you're not drinking your own product? Who's the second best gin on the market right now? That's a long pause. Well, that's that's um, a long pause. Do I, well, no. Do I have to choose a Canadian gen? No, because anywhere, I, anywhere world, anywhere worldwide, somewhere that. So, something. I would say with the best. I said best Canadian gen. Okay. Um, I wouldn't be bold enough to take on some of the um, Ferdinands. Ferdinands, okay. I would say they're gold. They're gold sipping gin. Um. Michael's got one last question, but I'm going to confess to the listeners that I've plowed through two of these samples very quickly. This podcast has only been running for 38 minutes, and I finished my gin and tonic. <laughs> the problem with gin and tonic is it goes down a little too easy. I'm about halfway through my Evergin on, on ice. Uh, but Michael, let's go with your last question here. Well, so, and, and, and I think Jessica opened the door earlier for this one, so... I want to go back to the uh, to the number thirty three in the forty nine hundred dollar bottle. Yes. How many times will you refill it? 
<laughs> I don't need to refill it. I have I have multiples of them here at the house ready oh. to go if someone. I, I wants thought if you spent forty nine hundred dollars, you'd at least if they visit the the, the um, distillery, you'd refill it a couple times. No, 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 so, no, no. What she was saying is, if you're the consumer who buys it, you what you do oh, is no. you buy the gin and you refill it. Like, I, I I got I got that Andre, but I'm thinking for forty nine hundred dollars, you'd at least get uh, one refill. Okay. I, if I take my cup back to Seven Eleven, I can get a refill there. And you I are you are so cheap, I will Michael. Say this now: if someone bought that bottle, drank the gin, and then contacted us and asked us for a refill. There is no way me and Regan would not give it to them with thanks and probably offer them a gin tasting to taste all the products and to say thank you for being that generous. Um, the first bottle of this run in the 24 karat gold, we actually auctioned off for the one gala for Princess Margaret. So it's also a it's a publicity tool too to raise money. And they'll they I believe we've got another one going into a second auction. So I feel like we can't we're a really small company and one of the biggest things we get in the alcohol industry is what are we giving back? Um and so uh when we can we try to help out with auctions because I have gin. <laughs> I have products. So where I can, I will always be as accommodating to those people that reach out to us for those um, opportunities. So, yeah. But if at any time Andre or yourself bought the bottle, I would give you a private tasting and a refill at your time requested time slot. So, so, Thanks so, so you're much. not going to do anything oh. with my 50 mil bottle, is what you're saying. Sorry, Jessica. No, <laughs> Jessica. But thank I you. tell you, next time you're in the neighborhood, let me know, and we will. I am sure I can uh, hook you up with some tastings. Thank you Perfect. so much for the thank time, you Jessica. Very much, Jessica. Michael, I'm not going to lie. Um, we were not paid by Laneway. Those two gin samples went straight to my head, and I enjoyed them thoroughly. Did you drink the whole bottle? Well, they were 50 mils, so I've drank... Oh, geez. Um, dear listeners, Andre has drank 100 milliliters of gin, which is one-seventh of a bottle. Okay, so, uh, like, I literally poured, uh, like, a like a list and a thumbnail into a... Uh, like, I, if, I, if I'm down, you know, uh, five milliliters, I'm lucky here on, on three bottles. So I've had 15 milliliters of of gin and vodka well i'm not driving so well i'm not driving anywhere tonight um what a great interview uh definitely like the craft distillers of the province are facing even more legislative hurdles in the craft winery so when a good product hits the market it's always exciting thank you to jessica for joining us i'm andre pru of andrewinerview.ca at andrewinerview on social media and I, and I would just have to say that uh, for somebody who doesn't drink gin, for me to actually swallow this stuff is pr is pretty much a that's a that's a big deal because usually I'm looking for uh, I'm looking for the sink and a spit bucket. So I'm sorry to all the listeners I'm about to say, but I can't resist. Is that the title of your sex tape? Continue, Michael. No, it is. It is not. It is not. It's called Evergin. That's what it's called. Uh, I'm Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com. You can find me on social media as Michael Pincus or as the Grape Guy. And as always, Andre, it is a Friday night, which means only one thing. Andre's drunk, and I'm saying good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.
Two Guys Talking Wine is produced by Jim Ray, Adam Duran, and Ken Little.